Thank you for tuning in to Marketing Minds, episode 12. I'm joined today by Aiden Brannigan, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Um, Aiden, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. So I've actually been following you for quite some time on LinkedIn. Um, and even before the Marketing Millennials and Workweek and you know all that kind of stuff, um, and you've always jumped out to me as a creator that has a unique uh, sort of voice on the platform. I think most people, um, while it is less professional than it used to be, there are still very few that bring comedy in as kind of their key uh, content factor. And I think it's very yeah. rare that you make a post that is entirely serious. Um, so I'm curious, how did you find, you know, that voice and, and, you know, why did you start creating content in that way? Yeah. So I really was looking at it as, um, or I, I learned a couple of hard lessons, junior, sophomore, junior year of college. I was an intern and it was like a social, very like basic social media management role. And then I realized like I qu quickly got burnt out um, because the whole mm. time I was trying to put on somebody else's voice, like the brand's voice and doing things that like weren't true to me necessarily. Like it almost didn't feel like I was a sellout necessarily because I was just doing what my bosses were telling me to do. But I realized quickly I burnt out. So I learned a lesson that if I want to sustain myself in the content game, because I loved the creative side of things and that whole realm of just the creative freedom, I loved it. That's what drew me to it. But so I realized to sustain my interest and ability to create content, I need to just be true to myself and not and literally write how I speak. Like mm -hmm. I want my profile so that when you meet me in person, you're like, wait, that is actually, that is who he is in person. Um, so naturally I'm just, I enjoy comedy and I enjoy clever remarks and everything. I love making people laugh. Um, but I can't take all the credit for it because my first internship, Corey Noble, he was the CEO of the startup. He's like, dude, you got something here. Like you, you need to lean into what you're good at it what you're good at, lean into it unapologetically. And for me, it was humor and memes and just trying to make people laugh. So that's where that origin came from and why I do it. Um, yeah. Awesome. And that's a great lesson to learn, you know, as early on as an internship. I think there are a lot of, not just marketers, but there are a lot of people that go through long careers before like learning lessons, like be unapologetically you, you know, it's not like, uh, it doesn't hit everybody's radar as early on as it hit yours. And even when it does, I think a lot of people struggle to, you know, actually be unapologetically you. Um, you know, there's all these like outside forces, like, are people going to judge me for this? Is this going to make me look stupid? Those kind of things. Did you ever like struggle with that in the beginning of like trying to do that? You know, I think every creator, you know, you post and you get one like or, you know, <clears throat> nothing, right? hundred impressions and you're like, eh, maybe I'm stupid and I shouldn't do this. You know, did you, did you feel that way? Did you struggle with that in the beginning? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's just one of those things. Like I, I got into it all as like a way of self-expression. So I was kind of in it for like, I was looking introspectively and I was trying to use it to better myself. So initially I wasn't like super focused on necessarily the impact it would have on many other people. I was just like saying, I, I spent two months writing out all my thoughts and I just want to throw them out there. I don't care how it happens or what happens, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't like, if, if, if that wasn't a thing, like that is always in the back of your mind. Um, but the more I've done it and the more reps I've gotten and the more times I've hit post on things where like in the back of my mind, it's like, Oh, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about this? The, the smaller that voice gets. But I, I, I literally, I think I have to give the biggest credit for that to, I deleted my Instagram and Snapchat. So I had no personal social media. And I think for a lot of people that voice in the back of the heads, like, uh, fear of what others going to think of you extends to like literally high school friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like that same classic, like high school friends, what are they going to judge you or the high school cool kids? Like it's that like instinct almost. <laughs> so I deleted both of those. I had no touch to anybody from high school or anybody from honestly outside of my immediate circle of friends. 
So I kind of forced myself into a hole where it was like, I couldn't think about them. Um, so that was a huge help for just like hitting posts. So, yeah. 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 So basically you got rid of everybody who knew you and you just started fresh on a platform where like it was just strangers. So, you know, worst case strangers think you're weird and you know, you move on with your life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is pretty much what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an effective strategy. So, you know, obviously it's worked out for you. Um, you know, you've had a lot of posts that have done really, really well. Obviously you've built up a brand, a following you have, um, you know, a lot of people that are attracted to your content. Um, namely, uh, it, I was both surprised and excited to see the relationship with marketing millennials happen whenever that was announced. However far back that was, I remember the announcement post and I was like, "Whoa, that's really cool. Like that's, you know, a a collab that I didn't see coming because I already followed Daniel on a lot of the things that him and Ari do and, and the page. And then I followed you and it just, it was like, Oh wow, that's a really cool two pairs to connect. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. Absolutely. Uh, I also just want to apologize. I have two roommates playing FIFA right now. And they're streaming <laughs> so hopefully the game will end soon. I don't know if you can hear them yelling or not again. But, um, if I hear a goal, I, I'll, I'll cheer for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was really cool. I, I started creating content in May of last year. So basically a year ago. And I was posting for three, I posted for three and a half months every single day built a little bit of a following, but like nothing crazy. And Daniel just reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I love your content style. Like I enjoy the memes that you're posting. And I, I, I had never heard, of, I had no idea who he was. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea what the market millennials were, no idea who Daniel Murray was, but I saw he DM me and I was like, oh, he has a hundred K followers and he's DMing me like, and he wants to hop on a call with me. So I was like, I got to get on a call with him. And we got on a call and like that first call went really well. And he kind of just was gauging the interest for me because I was just going into my senior year of college. Um, he was gauging bandwidth. So we talked for the next couple of weeks. Um, and throughout that time period, I was still making memes and he posted a couple of my memes onto the market millennials and gave me credit And that. Like my account, I, I that was the yeah. craziest number of impressions I had ever to my account. And, then I, after a couple of weeks, I, I talked with Adam, who's the CEO of Workweek, and we got, I, I signed on as a part-time, uh, part-time role creator there. Um, so I've been doing that since August and love Daniel, love Ari, love Workweek, love Mark and Millennials. It's, it's really fun. I just, I, what immediately drew me to them was Adam said, who's the CEO of the company. He said to me on the call, he said, just continue having fun on the internet. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you do not have to tell me that twice. I was like, you do not have to tell me that twice. I wrote that down on a post-it note and slapped it on my wall and kept it up on the wall for like five months. So every time I was making content, I would see that. And that's always the emphasis of my content. That's awesome. I mean, that's an amazing message for a CEO to to be driving to. And I think that is, you know, pretty core to Workweek and marketing millennials specifically of like what they do, right? It's it's having fun and building community around content and content marketing and you know all those things. So yeah, aside from you know building the the memes and all those things, I've seen you talk a lot about um, you know make blowing up the YouTube Shorts account and just the YouTube account in general for marketing millennials and and doing a a, a lot of posting there. Um, and you talk about how you know just brute force and sheer volume was the tactic in the beginning, you know? Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Like, you know, how did you come up with the content that you're doing there? And like, what did you see as kind of the strategy there? And is it, has it changed over time since then? Yeah. So the whole strategy with the marketing millennials is, um, which was completely new to me when I joined is this idea of building a table, right? And you build this beautiful wood table, and that's your long form content, like your blogs, your newsletter, like the Market Millennials newsletter. So you spend a bunch of time researching, become an expert in this topic, and then you post the newsletter. And then you take the newsletter and you can break it up into Twitter posts, Twitter threads, LinkedIn posts, or short form videos. And that's the wood chips on the ground after you build the table. And you can take those and spread them across everywhere. So that's the whole strategy with the Marketing Millennials. 
And so we take the long form newsletters where we're doing a bunch of research, we become experts, and then we disperse it across all channels in quick hitter um, formats. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, my, my personal strategy, like my go-to for when starting fresh on a social platform is brute force and quantity, <laughs> trying to hit quantity and quality. Um, it's hard, it's hard to excel in both. So you sometimes, uh, have to sacrifice a little bit of quality or a little bit of quantity for one or the other, but that's where I've seen the most success when starting at zero on an account is just making it happen. Just putting out as much possible. I, I, I think the first three months on YouTube shorts, I posted, oh, probably, probably 300 times. <laughs> Man. Like, no, and I'm doing the same with my own Twitter currently. So I just started posting on Twitter a month ago and I've posted, I've actually posted 400 times in the last month. Goodness. Just what, what is that? Like, showing. what are you doing? Like 10 a day, 10 or, yeah. 10 or more a day. Yes. Wow. Man, are you like doing that on, you know, do you have like some strategy in terms of like, you know, doing it like one an hour or do you, do you just go, you know, when I have time or just when I have a thought off the top of my head, you just post and do it as often as you can. So what I do, I, I don't just jump into it like, and just start posting 10 a day. So I spent, I think I spent 10 days before. So I think the first day I posted was March 17th. So 10 days before March 17th, I spent like a week and a half compiling all of my content from TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, and putting it into Twitter format or trying to extract information that would be valuable on Twitter and scheduling it out. So I, I scheduled like three posts per day using Buffer for like, I think 75 days. Um, so I have, I have that like backbone of content. So if mm -hmm. I wake up one day and I don't want to post, I just have it automatically posted like mm -hmm. something that I posted on LinkedIn, maybe three months ago, will come onto Twitter, just obviously reframed for a Twitter audience and like the platform. Um, and then like back to the whole, keep having fun on the internet. Like I, it's systems are great and you need to have at least some sort of system or some sort of foundation mm -hmm. to back on because there's going to be that lazy Sunday where you don't want to do anything. And that's where you use a system. Um, but what keeps me engaged and other creators engaged is like the off the cuff posts where it's just mm -hmm. like you're in the spur of the moment and you hit post. That's what keeps me coming back every day. So this morning I posted a meme and right before this call, I just posted something like I was like, oh, this would be funny. So I just tweeted it real quick. Um, so that's usually how I get to the 10 at 10 posts a day on Twitter mm. and the same for YouTube shorts. I scheduled out a bunch initially. And then when I'm feeling the spots are right, I post one like off the cuff. Yeah, man, a machine, absolute machine, 75 posts scheduled out in, in, you know, 10 days. Like that's, that's no small feat. Even if you do have, you know, inspiration to pull from other platforms and those kind of things. I mean, you're basically saying if you were to work a 40 hour work week, you're doing two an hour, Right. And you probably didn't even, I don't even know that you did a 40 hour work, but you maybe crammed that into 20 or something. Right. So like the fact that you were able to distill the information from these other platforms and turn it into 75 posts and like put that over three months, is just, it's crazy, man. Um, so props for like okay. just the, the grind, but you're not even, you know, when you hear that, most people think all oh, those posts probably suck, but they don't like, I see your content all the time and it's like good stuff, you know? Um, so it's that. like, it's very rare to do something at that volume in that short of a period of time and still have it come out uh, decent. So you've done a really yeah. good job balancing the quantity over quality and having your unique voice in there. Cause it is, you know, your content is something that like, I don't see, you know, there's the Luke Matthews and the Brock Peterson, you know, and, and these that like do have comedy in there, but you, there's just something different about yours. Yours is just more clever. There's is like brute force comedy and, yeah. um, and like clever is harder. It takes a lot to like have each post have like the hook and have the punchline right at the right time and, you know, all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, man, it, like I just got to give you props. It's a lot of work. Um, I pre genuinely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I, you know, I've, I've noticed about you uh, and just hearing you talk about it more. So most marketers I've found, you know, there's, there's, 
the concept of you're either a generalist or you're a specialist, right? And people talk about the T-shaped marketer and all these, whatever, these fancy terms for it. But, um, you know, I think I consider myself more of a generalist, right? I do a bit of social, I do SEO, I do, you know, I do all these different things. To me, it sounds like you're very much a specialist and like really what you care about is just social. Would you agree with that or have you dabbled in other areas of marketing? Yeah, I would say even more specific than that, organic social. Mm. Like I'm hyper fixated on organic social. Um, but I am actively trying, like I have no experience with SEO. Mm. Um, like I'm, I'm still in college. They don't teach SEO in college yeah. whatsoever. And <laughs> it would suck I, if they I, did. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know anything about it, but I'm like, genu- <laughs> like generally a curious person. So I've been reaching out to people, whether on LinkedIn or like within the company to just pick their brain and just like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Like even something as simple or not so simple as paid social. Um, there's someone named Manny who works with Workweek and he's he just manages all the paid social side of things. And I was just like, tell me what you do. Like, I don't even know what questions to ask because I don't even know what you do. Um, <laughs> so that was really good. But yeah, my, my hyper focus is organic social. Yeah. So, you know, um, you're already in a really good place with the kind of relationship and the network that you've established with Workweek and Marketing Millennials, and you're really early on in your career. Um, you know, and I think I heard you right. You're still in school, right? Yeah. So yeah, I graduate in a month. Man, well, congrats on that because that's that's a big Thank deal. Um, what's the plan? Like, what's the long term plan? Are you are you looking to ride this wave to the sunset with Marketing Millennials? Do you want to do your own thing? Are you, you know, do you have some big goal on the horizon now that you're coming out of school? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's something I always like mess around with and think. And the only the answer I can give you is what I'm thinking right now for because it'll always be changing. But Mm -hmm. I the reason I joined Workweek was because of their willingness one to allow me to have fun on the internet. And when I mean Workweek, I mean like the marketing millennials too. Um, but that was one. And then they actually encouraged me to continue to build my personal brand and work with and build my own little agency or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. like my own side hustle. They encouraged it. So I was like, I love that. Because um, I'm honestly uh, always been entrepreneurial, but never had like a product I want to sell. But now I kind of found the product or the skill set that I can leverage, and that's organic social. So. To answer your question, when I graduate, I'll be going full-time with the marketing millennials. So right now I'm part-time. I'm just doing 20 hours a week. When I graduate, I'll be full-time. And then I'm continuing to do my side hustle, which is a, it's a ghostwriting agency. Mm-hmm. I have one client right now. And that's mainly due to my bandwidth with school and also trying to like enjoy that side of things, like the college life. So yeah. I haven't taken too much on with that yet, but when I graduate, I'm trying to scale that. And I've also noticed how hard it is day in and day out to show up and create content that I am trying to find ways not to step out of it, but to find different ways to use my experiences to help others and mm-hmm. not just like a general like posting, but like advising with different brands, like managing their social team and helping them get from the ground up. So I am talking with different people about those type of roles more. So they'll come to me and they'll they'll be like, Oh, we love your voice. Like we want you to create content for us. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, that's not necessarily super scalable because sure I can hire somebody, but like I'm super picky. Mm -hmm. And if I hire somebody to write the content, I'm sure it's not going to be up to my standards. So it's going to be double work. And just and so that's my main goal is to find a way to branch out into something that's not just the physical content but more like my knowledge and the experiences and the failures that i've had in the past and Mm -hmm. giving those to brands so they can use it for their social team yeah yeah i mean that makes perfect sense you know so really you're getting into maybe not the um you know, like the info product space, but maybe kind of. So whether it's, you know, packaging the system that you use to create content or, 
you know, something like a course or something like that, you know, those are kind of the things that are on your horizon for how to monetize your personal brand a bit more for these opportunities that you don't necessarily have the hours for. Uh, yeah, I would say that's before that I'm, so I, I'm making it a point this summer to start collecting emails and have my own newsletter. And I can guarantee you it's going to be the most chaotic newsletter ever, but that's, that's how I'm, that's how I'm rolling. So I, I have, I have a, a little bit of like a guerrilla campaign that I'm going to start doing to get attention to my newsletter. Mm. Um, and that's my main goal for the summer. So I guess that can answer your previous question as well. Um, and then what comes with that is courses and everything, but that's not a priority to me, mainly because I've never been interested in courses. And I want to, if I were to sell something, I'd want it to be something that like I'm genuinely interested in and have a passion mm -hmm. behind it. But who knows that might, that might change. Um, but more of like working with brands and their social teams as like a manager in some sort to like relay and just mm -hmm. being the seeing eye of like, that looks good. That doesn't look good. Um, mm -hmm. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Kind of in an advisor role. Yeah. I'm glad you, yeah. I'm, gl I'm glad you touched on the, uh, the newsletter. Cause that was actually going to be one of my questions. I was going to ask you why you don't have a newsletter yet. Um, <laughs> Cause I was going to say you have the perfect personality for it and you've got the audience and you know, it's kind of the go-to for LinkedIn um, creators of any kind to get your, get your, uh, followers off the platform and onto an email yeah. list and it's the whole work week shtick you know so yes, it's like it it's you know it's in the playbook you got it it's there so uh well i'm going to be excited for that and you'll definitely have a subscriber out of me because uh, i love the stuff yeah. that you do on linkedin so i'm sure um i'm all aboard for even more chaotic stuff in my <laughs> inbox um <laughs> that's good awesome. stuff man I, you got me fired up i i was initially hesitant to start one because my whole, I don't know if this is just like something innate to me, whatever everyone's doing, I, I literally like ignore that and we'll just do something completely different. I don't know if that's an ego thing or anything, but like, that's just innate to me. So mm. I saw people doing newsletters, LinkedIn carousels, XYZ. I'm like, oh, I'm never doing a newsletter. But then when I joined Workweek in the Marketing Millennials, I'm like, oh, you can make money with ad spots on a newsletter. Oh, I might try a newsletter out, like mm -hmm. a different way to monetize. And then also the fact that newsletters are algorithm proof. There's no algorithm in your newsletters, just whenever it's sent. And also it's taking, like you said, taking your followers off the platform because I am a little more provoking on the platform. And if there's somebody who would be more likely to get picked off the platform, it's probably me. So it's <laughs> much smart to invest in the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear you, you know, when everybody else is zigging, you zag, right. And like, that's a really great quality to have. Um, but I think like, you know, you already do, uh, you know, you do things that other creators do, but you do them in your own way. And so, you know, while, while maybe the mechanism is the same, the delivery is completely different, you know? And so you can have a newsletter, even though everybody else has a newsletter, it's not like yours, you know, yours is very unique in the way that you're doing it. And, you know, same goes for really any vertical, whether it's, you know, doing a course, podcast, video content, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. Like, you, you know, you can do what other people are doing and still stand out in your own way, just in the way that you're delivering it. And I think you're already doing that in a lot of the stuff you do. And so, you know, I'm sure it will bleed over into, you know, whatever you do uh, uh, with other platforms. So yeah, well, I'd love to wind back a bit you know that we kind of got a good sense of what you got going on right now we've got a good sense of what your kind of short-term objectives are talk to me about little Aiden and how did you end up on this path towards social media um, marketing that's it I've, I don't think I've ever been asked that question um, I think a, a lot of it has to do with COVID hitting end of my freshman year so all of sophomore year school was online and i had so much time on my hands and at that point i didn't really know what i wanted to do with my life my dad's a salesman my mom was a stay-at-home mom so i knew i wanted to be in business i go to the university of maryland they don't have a they don't have a sales program and my dad's a salesman so I was like, marketing's the closest to that. So let me go with that. And I didn't even know if I wanted to be in marketing until 
COVID hit and I had so much time on my hands and I applied to a bunch of internships and I got a social media manager internship and I, I really enjoyed it. And that's when the snowball kind of happened. And then I worked for like two or three other uh, startups. I was getting paid absolutely nothing, but it was great to have on my resume. Um, so I really have to attribute the fact that COVID put everything online. And if that didn't happen, I would certainly not be where I am today. I'd be in the, I don't know what I would be doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, I kind of just fell into it um, mm -hmm. because of circumstances, which I feel like a lot of people, that's kind of how it happens. But I knew I generally wanted to be in the business space, talking with people because I love talking with people and marketing was the closest or the most enveloped in that realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your point. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us fall into this. I think there are very few people that are like, what do you want to be when you grow up little Timmy? And it's like, I want to be a marketer, you know, like it, it's yeah. not like the first uh, thing that comes to mind for most, um, you know, but somewhere along the way that it just kind of clicks, you know, I think for me, I, I went through like several phases. I was a tech you know, I was super into tech when I was a kid. I wanted to be a programmer, all those things. Then like, you know, uh, during college, I got like a couple of sales jobs. Turned out mm -hmm. I was like really good at sales, enjoyed that. And then like hit a massive burnout period. And that burnout period was like, great, how do I be persuasive, but not like work ridiculously and be stressed out all the time. And then it was like, oh, let me try this marketing thing. And like, yeah, snowball moment for me too, you know? So I think a lot of people have that similar path where they just like, there's some sort of obstacle that pushes them into a, um, a corner and they're, you know, they're just like, I gotta, I'm just going to try this thing. And then they fall in love with it, you know? And so for you, that's uh, social. And, uh, I mean, thank goodness for that internship, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always, <laughs> always reference back to that, but yeah, I, I, this might be a more message. I don't know the type of like the age that people uh, that listen to this podcast, but I, like in high school, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I was just, I knew, like, I, I just showed up to class. I did well in class, graduated, got into the University of Maryland. It was like, I was just looking, not at the career. I was just like, oh, let me get to school. As soon as I got to school, I just picked a major and then, like, figured it out along the way. There was no, like, foresight of this at all. Mm -hmm. So everything falls into place. That's, like, my message. Yeah. How much, um, I'm curious since we're on the school subject, I think a lot of people go back and forth about, you know, Oh, school is useless now. It doesn't matter. Like you could just learn everything online. Yada. And then other people are like, no, like there's so many important core fundamentals and lessons that you learn by going to classes and whatnot. What has your experience been graduating in a month? You're basically at the finish line, having gone through uh, a marketing degree. Uh, what do you kind of come out of it? Do you feel like, it was 100% worth it and you came away with lessons that you couldn't have gotten otherwise? Uh, or do you have this, uh, maybe I probably could have done this without it kind of feeling? Yeah, my I'm, I'm kind of in the middle there. Mine's more of, my opinion on it is more of, it's what you make it. So I was blessed that my parents were like, yes, you can go to college and you can get a marketing degree. And I was like, awesome. So I, I made sure I showed up to class every single day because I'm doing it for my parents. I'm doing it for myself. And out of respect for them, I'm going to graduate with this. Um, but, and I can guarantee if I did not go to school and did not attend the University of Maryland, I would be nowhere near where I am as far as in my career, my social life, personal life at all. So it has absolutely elevated me as a person and my network and my enjoyment of life and everything. So I, I, I say it's what you make it because some people fall into the trap where they party too much and they don't get enough out of school. And then there's the people who study too much and they don't get to meet the people and they don't really get to build the connections that help you after school. Um, and they're focused only on the grades, the GPA. Mm -hmm. um, so and, and I, I see schools and universities as hubs of um, talent. So as, as a young person, you, you want to be around other talented individuals and you can't do that if you stay home for the four years while your friends are at college. Um, so 
that's I, I I do have to say though, if prices for college continue to increase, like it's starting to get to a point where it's like, what the like it's yeah. insane. So when I have kids, I'm not gonna force them to go to school. I'm just gonna force them to try their hardest in whatever they do from mm-hmm. ages obviously up until they always perpetually, but yeah, that's my take on it. What do yeah. you think? What do you, what do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I hear you the same way. So, you know, actually funnily, I'm a college dropout. Um, I did two years. Uh, you know, I initially, like I said, I went into college with this like tech mindset. I'm going to be a coder and you know, I'm going to do this stuff. And I had done it. I self-taught myself in high school how to do it. And so I was like, I like this. This is fun. I'm going to enjoy doing this. And then uh, when I got into college, it turned into, you know, like eight hours of homework every week. And it was like, just like the boring stuff, like bug fixing and like how to like do simple math equations in a computer, you know, like, and I was just like brain dead at the end, you know? And I was like, after the like first semester, I think of doing like coding 99% of the time, I was like, I actually don't think I would enjoy doing this 40 hours a week. It was fun doing it 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week, but 40 hours a week, I'm like brain dead now. Uh Um, so I'd like had this and for me from like eight years old to that point, I was like 100% confident I was going to be a programmer, no doubts in my mind. And so okay. all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my life? Like I was wrong, you know? And um, so I went into uh, a general in business at that point um, and I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm entrepreneurial as well. I, I like all this stuff. I like to make things. I like to communicate with people. Um, and then I kind of started 50, 50 focusing on, well, let me just start like landing some jobs and like, see what I like about the jobs and what I don't like about the jobs. Um, while I do this college thing, I was paying for my own college. Um, Mm -hmm. and during that time I landed a couple of sales jobs that I was making more money than like your average college graduate makes. And I was like, okay, is this super relevant for me? I'm paying a big chunk of what I make to go to college every semester and I still don't even really know what I want to do with this degree and I'm making good money. I could just focus on this. And so like during that time, I kind of was like, I'm just going to pause and focus on my yeah. career for a bit. Um, and so I just paused and I was like, I'll go back, you know, I'll do that. Um, and then I hit that burnout stage with the sales job and got into marketing. And then like basically from that point on, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I already am here. Like, why would I go get a degree? I can just have more experience and I'll look great and I'll have a good resume and I'll get whatever job I want. Um, and so far I've been right. I haven't had any issues doing the things that I want to do and growing the way I want to grow. I have plenty of experience on my resume now. So it's like, okay, I didn't ever, I basically never needed to go back. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And so it worked out for me in that sense. And so like, I do have that belief that, you know, um, I don't think it's necessary anymore. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of lessons that I could have learned that I had to learn the hard way out in the out in the actual uh, field. But um, yeah, and then I did skip, you know, on all the social aspects, right? I basically, you know, I had the first couple of years, and not really a lot happened during that that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think really the last two years are where you get a lot of the social aspects, and I, you know, jumped out on that. So. You know, maybe there was something there, but um, I think for me, it worked out. I think for many people who have um, enough ambition and drive of their own, you know, they have that internal because not everybody has it. But like for the ones that have that internal drive that want to consistently learn and grow and be better at things and whatnot, I I think you can make it without college. For people who maybe don't have that innately, I think college is still a really useful tool. Um, But to your point prices are getting pretty crazy. So I don't know. We're going to have to, we're going to have to see where we're at in a decade. I have a, I have a a four month old, um, you know, so we'll see in, in 18 years, you know, what that price tag looks like, if that makes sense still. But, um, yeah, I think for me, uh, I was a self-starter enough that I got to a point with it while I was at college that I was, um, that that while paying my way through college, I identified that like the money I'm spending is just like not going to get me the return that I could get if I just spent the extra 10 hours, 15 hours a week focusing on my career. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was my experience. Um, yeah. So it's a really it's a really interesting conversation and debate. I think anybody who has the privilege that they can get a 
they get their college paid for in other means, whether they qualify for grants or they have, you know, family that's able to pay for it or um, they get scholarships, all those kind of things. It is a worthwhile investment for four years of your time. If you're not spending a dime, you come out of it with no student loans. Like all those things are, are amazing for people who are going to see themselves either struggling to make the payments every month or worse being saddled with student debt for 50 years of their life. Um, maybe think pretty hard about the decision. Um, cause I think oh, there's yeah. a lot of paths to get to almost any career, um, without it, you know, minus law and health, and, you know, some of those that's yeah. like, you probably want to go get the piece of paper, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I, that's why I'm so big on, um, personal branding because as a young person the hardest thing that you can the hardest thing to achieve is leverage like when you're young it's really hard to have leverage and when you have leverage you have options and that's like a good thing but the personal brand or just having a presence where you can show your expertise online um, and you can do it for anything it could be if you're really invested in plants and you're really good at agriculture or horticulture you can post about that and show your expertise and you might have a nursery DMing you, hey, we see you You just graduated high school. We see you posting about all this horticulture stuff. Um, would you like a job at our nursery? So that's that, like as a young person, like there's a huge opportunity like to gain leverage and mm -hmm. acquire options when you're young uh, through personal branding, which that's why I'm so huge on it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the personal branding thing is huge. I think I had, um, another marketer, his name is Zeb Perky. I had him on, um, I think it was episode three of the podcast. And we had, we touched on a similar topic in that, um, you know, really, uh, you know, marketing is its own business and it is its own like area that you can, you know, have a skill in like you and I, um, but it's also a vehicle that you can use to explore your passion, whatever it is, right? If you love books, you can start a YouTube channel and do audiobooks of books you're reading or give cliff notes and things like that. Or you can, you know, talk about your love of cars and, you know, cover all the new cars that come out and do reviews and, you know, whatever, right? That like, no matter what your passion is, you can create content around it. You can do social marketing or create a blog or start a newsletter or whatever about these things. And if you can learn to just do the basics of even one marketing channel, you can turn your passion into a career and into a personal brand and opportunities of any kind. Um, you know, so I think marketing is a universal skill that as we get more and more digital in nature, human beings need to understand how to communicate in a, you know, in a marketer's world and in the aspect of having these channels and having long form and short form content and all these things. I think right now it's still very business and very, you know, the creator economy is booming. I still think mm -hmm. we're like infant stages of this, like Gen Z is really the only ones that are like, okay, a whole generation is on this now. Like there's like, yeah. it, it's weird if somebody in the Gen Z doesn't have some kind of like account that they make content on, you know, it's like yeah. you're one of the minority in that case. Um, so I feel like that generation is on it. Future generations are going to be even crazier. But, you know, I think for all the people that are, um, you know, millennial and, and above, I think there's still a lot of people that look at media of any form as like that's for marketing or that's for sales that's for business right they don't look at it as something that they can use as an individual to explore anything they want and it becomes an asset right it's not just like um an activity that takes their time it's an asset that like can pay them back that can build a network that can help them in the job that they have or get the job they want you know so mm -hmm. it's a it's a huge uh, opportunity i think you know people like yourself are ahead of the curve in that like mindset and understanding that um so yeah, yeah. um I, i'd love to jump to you know something that you said briefly uh i'd love to hear a little bit of, about this, uh, you know, maybe you can't share too many diesels, but this guerrilla marketing campaign that you tease that you are planning in the summer, you got any, um, you got any little tidbits you can share about what the strategy is there? So no, I, I don't want to outline specifically what it is, not. but I can tell you the inspiration behind it. Um, so a lot of the things with the market, I know that I do 
marketing millennials that I do research on is past successful campaigns, whether it be um, Coke's share Coke campaign or got milk's got milk campaign, um, those type of campaigns. So I've been studying those and, and compiling innately all of these strategies that these uber successful campaigns had. Mm. And I'm trying to extract those and apply them to a smaller scale into my, into my campaign. And that's also one of my strategies going forward for the next year that I think people might miss the boat on is you see all these brands with humongous budgets doing all these crazy things. I'm trying to do and emulate the foundation of everything they're doing, but applying it obviously at a way smaller scale. So like if you see, I don't know if you've listened to other podcasts, but Mr. Beast went on like 30 podcasts mm -hmm. in a month. And what that was, was a hidden marketing campaign for himself to get him, him and his brand in front of different types of audiences. So I'm like, obviously I will go on a podcast and talk regardless of the size, because that's an effective marketing campaign for myself. It's like a very natural and like effective way to connect with people. Um, cause we're just having a conversation, but I'm in front of a new audience now. Mm -hmm. So doing those types of things to my small personal brand. So one of the biggest things is dollar shave club. If you've ever seen their first ever campaign, so good. you might be seeing a little bit of, uh, some, some like homage to that in this campaign. I'm, I'm excited, man. You hit all the, the right buzzers with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that now. Um, to, to touch on something that, you know, I think I've heard you say or allude to a couple of times now is, um, you know, when you talked about you spent 10 days preparing for this bulk Twitter post, you just talked about this campaign specifically, um, and then some of the stuff you did for Marketing Millennials YouTube and some of those things, you always start with a period of study and research and, you know, uh, synthesizing either other sources or previous sources of your own. Talk to me a bit about, you know, that, because I think that's something that a lot of social media managers lack um, is that, you know, they'll just jump right in sort of like you said, right, without the backbone, without the three a day that are going to happen automatically. They're just like off the cuff, what's trending, like what what's my idea for the day, you know, um, and they may do a content calendar. They may do like a, th a 30 day calendar, you know, in advance or whatever, um, but I feel like they often lack that kind of deep research, deep planning and like contextualizing it to the platform as well. So talk to me a little bit about that process and, you know, how you kind of go through that. Yeah. So I, I would be lying to you if I said I did that from the jump. I learned that the hard way at those internships a couple of years ago um, because, because I was scrambling in the mornings, just trying to like, Oh, I got to think of a post. Like, so I learned it the hard way. Um, but the reason I do it and it's, or one of the reasons I do it is the more time I realize I spend on researching and acquiring knowledge in the subject, the easier and smoother and quicker everything else goes. So the more research I do beforehand, if I'm writing a longer form piece of content, the quicker, easier, and better the long form piece of content ultimately is. Um, so it's all, the, the strategy behind it is just to make everything easier. You're doing, you're sacrificing time now so that in a month, everything's easier on you. Mm -hmm. And, and as a creator, creativity and the ability to have time to brainstorm content is like huge. And you can't do that if you're thinking every day, like trying to come up with a post that's going to go out immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so having that, backbone to fall on get, still gives you the like creative freedom or ability to have creative freedom um, with that. Yeah. So the whole strategy behind that is just to make the process easier on myself and continue to allow myself to have creative freedom moving forward. Yeah. That's why I do. So, you know, you touched on there, like, you know, the day of waking up and like, you know, what am I going to post today? And like having to kind of like force yourself into that creative space. Um, you know, similarly, even if you are doing things in bulk in advance, you still have to kind of have those creative juices. You have to be in the right mindset. Um, you know, you're going to sit down 
you've got 10 days and you're preparing to launch on Instagram and you're going to launch a new business page on Instagram and you need three months worth of content prepared, you're going to give yourself 10 days to just go at it. What do you do to make sure that you have those creative juices flowing? Do you have a special spot? You've got a playlist, you get a fresh cup of coffee. What's your, what's your, how do you get into that zone? Yeah, that's, that's something I always battle with because as a creator, you, you're trying to optimize the ability to get into that zone. Like if you're able to just tap into the quicker you can tap into that, the better. Um, so obviously that's an enduring process I'm going through, but my, what I've found to work best is chucking my phone, like away from me, like, don't look at the phone, turn all notifications off, focus solely on my laptop. And I pull up notion. Um, that's where I keep all of my, all of my ideas. I call it the idea factory. I just have all of my ideas ever in there and I'll pull that up. And I, I usually, it takes about 10 minutes or so to get into a flow state of where like you're fully enveloped in the creative juices and everything. But to get there, I just start writing about my days. And basically that's the uh, catalyst behind all my content. So I'm a, I'm a content creator, social media manager, ghostwriter. So I experience a bunch of things in my day to day as that, as in those roles. So I think back to everything I feel, whether let's say I write content today, I'm going to think back, what have I been feeling as in these roles the last week? What are the struggles? What are the successes? And what did I learn? And I'm writing about that. And that's the source of all my content. I'm just helping and relaying all my lessons in my day to day in those roles. So that's why I always I'm posting about 98% of the time I'm posting about content creation and marketing and then obviously sometimes i'm just like screw it and i throw something random out there but so to get in the flow state try and minimize distractions and just start writing about your days almost like a diary in a sense mm -hmm. and then eventually you'll get it'll get clicking um yeah. and i do that all in my room no music but if I feel my energy getting low and like I want to push through, that's when I just play some music that I know every single word to that. It's just kind of subconscious and it just don't really hear it. Yeah, I like it. I like it, man. Um, yeah. You I mean you allude to, you know, having all your content kind of stem from your personal experiences and what's going on in your life. You know, I look at content creation as there's kind of two versions of it that I see most often when it comes from personal brands and it's, and it's like the how to content, you know, like mm -hmm. the tactical, like this is, you know, the theory, this is what you should do. This is whatever. And then there's the how I content and it's the stories, it's the personal experiences, it's the documenting, whatever, you know, your processes, whatever you've been through. I, I found that, you know, the how I is generally easier to make and it's also usually the better content of the two it takes less you know you don't have to make stuff up as much you don't have to think as hard because it's just your life you know it's things that you've been through um you know, i think the struggle for some people and maybe like the younger people who might be listening to this is like you know what if i don't have a lot of how eyes you know what if i don't have those stories yet what if i don't have all that experience i want to be a linkedin ghostwriter but i don't have a single client and i'm just trying to get that going you know what is your um message to those people you know and you maybe had some strategies in your early days before you had that you know kind of repertoire to to document from yeah that's it that's so that is the reason i started that's one of the big reasons why I started my personal brand is because I realized I wanted to create content for a bigger brand, whether it's like a Nike or Apple or Google, that's what I was thinking in my mind. And I was like, Oh, I have nothing to show for. Like I worked at these internships, but they don't know anything about these companies. There's not much credibility here. And I was like, I'm going to build my own personal brand. And that's going to be my proof to them that I can, that I can do it for them. Because if mm -hmm. I can do it for myself, I can, I, that's my belief. If I can do it for myself, I can do it for somebody else. There's also a common belief that that's not true, but I, I'm, I'm not in that boat. <laughs> um, so, but to really get started, if you want the how eyes, it's putting yourself in situations that are awkward, uncomfortable, and just trying things that you, you know, damn well, you're going to fail out. 
fail at. Like the first month, two months, three months of me posting content, I would be I, like, if I went out at night, like to one of the bars, I'd have people coming up to me and it was nine times out of 10. It was like, dude, I seen your stuff on LinkedIn. It's like cringe. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, people hating. And that's like, that's like a, one of those things, like you just got to get over. I know we were talking about earlier. It's the fear of what others think that gets back to that. But the more experiences you have and the more new things you try, then you'll have the, and the quicker you can try those new things. That's where you get the how eyes from. Um, so if it, if I don't have much content, like let's say for next week, I'm like, Oh, I don't have much stuff that I want to talk about. I will try something new, uh, in with the marketing millennials account or with my own account and then write about it next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let yourself fail and then just talk about that failure a little bit. What did it teach you? What did you learn? What are you going to do different? It's a great, yeah, I, I've done that um, quite a bit on LinkedIn where, you know, I'll post something that I'm like, this is going to be great. And then it's like 67 impressions. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And then the, I make a post about how that post sucked and it gets, you know, two grand, you know, whatever, you know, it's like much better. It's like, okay, well, whatever, you know, live and learn. Yeah. Well, well, Aiden, this was amazing. I think there's a lot of golden nuggets that have come out of this conversation that uh, I think the audience can pull from, from your experience uh, at college, the story of everything going on with the work week and marketing millennials, a lot of exciting things to come with the newsletter and this guerrilla marketing campaign. I can't wait to see. Um, and you know, all the stuff, uh, from your experience, uh, learning to be a social media marketer and building a personal brand. I mean, there, there's just so much good that came out of this conversation. So, um, I really appreciate your time. This was awesome. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, learn from you, any of those kind of things? Yeah. I just want to first say thank you for having me on. And you are very good at this. You are very <laughs> good at podcasting this, this, like the questions and you're talking like on this without the us and the. That you are you are very good at this. Um, so, but thank you for having me on here. I, I would just follow me at Brannigan Aiden on Twitter. That's where that's where I'm putting like 120 percent of my effort into right now. But also on LinkedIn, just Aiden Brannigan, A I D A N. I spell Aiden the right way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And I appreciate the kind words and I'm going to put links to everything for Aiden under this episode in the description. So make sure to go down there, click those things, follow him, shoot him a message, do something. And uh, Aiden, this was awesome. Thanks so much. Genuinely appreciate it.